You're aboard NASA 19, preparing for a landing on Mars. Begin the countdown. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. Fire retro rocket four. Not going to be all snow. A wintry mix is forecast for the listening area. I'm Alex Kaufman. This is Wintry Mix number 52, February. Here we go. Nothing is off limits. Your latest news, buy or sell, gear and beer reviews, mountain advice, date or hate, help wanted, rant or rave, community updates, whatever businesses, ski areas, nonprofits, and such are welcome to participate. They just have to be humans. The next deadline for audio submissions will be Friday, March 9th. Audio files can be sent to alex at wintrymixcast.com. Target length is a minute or two. All of your phones have audio apps on them. There's a page on wintrymixcast.com with some ideas and audio tips in case you are stumped on what makes for good audio, or you can tag at wintrymixcast if you come across a good sounding video on Instagram, maybe I'll snag it. So, 52 has some injury sadness, cow pasture reminiscing, Olympic hype, Kyle Smain crushing it, NSAA trade show bar stools, an HR director into punk rock, a first day on skis, a listener rant, and of course, the rant. Hopefully, you are ready. But first, episode 52 of Wintry Mix is supported by the Alpine Shop. Located on Williston Road in South Burlington, Vermont, and online at alpineshopvt.com, the Alpine Shop is Vermont's favorite outdoor gear and clothing store since 1963, and they're locally owned and operated. Not in the mood to pay for parking downtown half a mile from a store? Yeah, me neither. Alpine Shop also has one of the largest online selections of skis and bindings that you will find. AlpineShopVT.com is a click away, and pod listeners can get 10% off their online order plus free shipping with the promo code MIX at checkout through May 1st, 2018. Or mention the pod in store for your 10%. Soft goods, hard goods, all good, and so many brands. AlpineShopVT.com, promo code MIX. Ski today, work tomorrow, the Alpine Shop. Swing by. Tell them the pod sent you. Remember that Telly Skier talking all that smack in episode 51? Well, there's an update. Hey, Wintry Mixers, uh, it's Yosef here again. Uh, I'm the one from Jersey, 
where it sucks but doesn't suck but does suck. Yep, so I still think I'm better than you, but I also got served with a taste of reality and humility on the very same day that episode 51 came out. I went I went for a little little mini tour, um, skied four laps, and then sprained my MCL. Dad bod and going hard don't mix well. So I'm going to ask, what do you recommend for people who suck at the gym and think that they're better than everyone else at skiing? How do y'all stay in shape? Thanks. See you on the slopes, hopefully, after I recover. You don't want to ask me what I recommend because uh, I recommend just being a pow snob. Um, but that wouldn't be good for the industry. So maybe Freeman has some thoughts. Hoi, AK, how you doing? Zach Freeman here with Rasta, checking in from Central Vermont. It's Tuesday, and there's a little wintry mix falling out of the sky. It's not the best of days, but sure ain't the worst of days either. You know, there's a bunch of folks that are complaining about winter, blah, blah, blah. And I just wanted to remind folks that you can still have a good old time without knee-deep pow. Although that would be nice. Gotta share a little story about the weekend with you guys. So Saturday, up the road from my folks' place a piece, where I grew up skiing and sledding and sliding and stuff, uh, there's a big old hayfield. Nice pasture, I tell you what. Beautiful. Beautiful spot. And uh, about 30 of us got together with our little kiddos in tow, and everybody brought a bunch of food and had a bunch of good beer and... We had a handful of Adirondack chairs sitting out there so you could sun your little hiney too if you wanted to. It was a beautiful day. Sun was out, about 45 degrees, nice peel-away corn. It was sweet. Had uh, every apparatus you can imagine to go sliding on, you know, skis and tele-skis and snowboard and a monoboard and snow bikes and snow skates and tubes and toboggans and sleds and... Man, you name it, it was we were firing that field, I tell you what, mister. And you know, I just the the joy part comes in from just watching everybody having such a good time, I tell you. All the little kiddos trying to figure out this and that and smiling and laughing and giggling and all the adults doing the same darn thing. And it just brings you so much joy compared to like you know, you roll back the clock like 25 years and the only important thing is sending it big on a powder day and that's the only thing that's cool and what matters, you know. But, you know, you get a little older and you get about 40 and kids and married and it's all settled down, whole nine yards, you know, your priorities change a little bit. So just had to, you know, had to check it. I think that folks kind of forget that sometimes, you know. They get kind of swept up in the hubbub of all the fancy this and that, glitz and glamour of skiing, and they, they kind of forget to strip it down to bare bones sometimes and really just look at what happiness is when you're skiing. Happiness is not how expensive your skis are or what the new this or the new that or what mountain you're at or what floor on the hotel you're staying at, you know, that's not what happiness is in skiing. Happiness is just the feeling of sliding down the hill and you're free. And people forget that. It's about spending time with your friends and your family and especially kids and showing them what it's all about. And that's what we did on Saturday. And I tell you, it filled my cup to the brim and it overflowed it. And so I just uh, I just had to share that with you guys. And 
That's about it. No, if you guys are on the old interwebs, you can go check out RastaVT.org. We're doing some good stuff here in the Vermont backcountry. Just a bunch of good old boys just trying to trying to manage some skiing and share it with y'all and have a good old time in the meantime doing it. So check us out, doing some fun stuff. And uh, if I don't see you in the future, I'll see you in the past year. Boy. I think the Vermont accent is the perfect combination of Minnesota and Boston, and I think Zach nailed it there. Uh, If you're not out in the pasture, maybe you've got Olympic fever, and the folks at Outside TV wanted to let all the listeners know that their new series, In Search of Speed, is worth checking out on their various platforms, and we've got a little sample of it right here. Well, in contrast to last year, we've got beautiful sunshine here in Vermont. Fortunately, it's a little bit windy. It's definitely going to be a factor as the gusts build blowing down the pitch. You know, some athletes are going to benefit from that, while others are going to struggle. The hopes of the host nation may focus on Michaela Schifrin, which will be facing European teams that have traveled thousands of miles in search of speed and victory. Women's giant slalom, by far the most competitive discipline in alpine skiing. There are so many women willing to take such high risks that ski at such a high level that predicting who's going to win is very difficult. And expecting Michaela Schifrin to win just because it's home snow is a fool's errand. USA! 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 Passionate ski lovers descend from all across New England, building to what is expected to be a record crowd of 18,000. Schifrin has so much pressure built up on her with all the local ties and connection and family and friends. In the first run, 65 of the fastest racers in the world leave caution behind and leave many casualties on this unforgiving course. The Italian team fulfills its superstar billing, with all five of its competitors finishing in the top 15. And you can check out In Search of Speed and a bunch of other cool features on their new app called Outside TV Features. As you know, though, I didn't grow up on the racing side of things. It was more the pipe, the park, the woods, the back alleys. Let's head to the Mammoth Grand Prix. Kyle Smain, top of the course, man known as DC with the call. Here we go. Kyle Smain, third run. All right, Kyle Spain in the pipe, here in his home circle. Oh, huge, absolutely huge. Oh my goodness. Kyle Spain coming out swinging here. There's that switch left seven, screaming semen, so steezy. Into the right nine. Left double court, 12-60, puts it down. Boy, he needed it, and he got it. Look, you knew this was going to be a big run. Look how big he went on that left dumb flat nine on that first hit. Kyle Spain came out with something to prove here. Yeah, that was pretty rad. But Kyle is one of the many, many, many athletes who kick a lot of ass but don't make it to the Olympics, at least in a given year. And he addressed that in a following post. Here's what he had to say. Quote, A lot of people have asked whether I'm going to the Olympics after my win in Mammoth, so I thought I'd talk about it. My victory in Mammoth put me in fifth place in the qualifying process for the Olympics this month. 
they can only take a maximum of four male athletes per discipline. So I did not qualify for the team. Of course, the Olympics were a goal for this season, but my main goal for the year was to come back from my injury and prove to myself that I could compete against the best. The Mammoth Grand Prix was exactly one year since I had torn my ACL and meniscus. It has been a long year of training and learning about myself and my body. I couldn't be more happy to come back strong and have my best result ever. Everyone who's going over to Korea for the U.S. has fought tooth and nail and earned their spot to compete for the USA. I can't wait to cheer on everyone from the States. Huge thank you to everyone who has made this journey possible and so much fun. So Kyle's not going to Korea, but that Switch 7 screaming semen means he's going somewhere. And it should serve as a reminder to all of us that there is life after blowing your knee if you can keep your uh, head in the game. Switching gears, let's join my old buddy Greg Fisher from the National Ski Areas Association trade show at Mount Snow. Not inside the conference where you can't record, at the bar, where, why not? All right, so we're here with uh, Mike Giorgio, who is the uh, director of food and beverage for uh, Mount Snow. We do a lot of things well. Beer is certainly one of the things, seeing how uh, we have about four different craft beer bars right now. And uh, at each one of those bars, we have somewhere upwards of 60 different craft breweries in and out of Vermont. So, yeah, we're, we're doing it pretty well. Yeah, I think we do good. We have a giant brewers festival down here. Uh, I don't live down here anymore, but when I come down, I always like like to hit up Mike and just find out what fucking beer we got on tap. So, uh, you got a great new place called Canned yep. open. Yep. So, talk to me a little bit about what Canned is and how it works. So, Canned came out of like literally a bunch of us sitting around drinking beer out of cans, thinking like, we have this beautiful space and what can we do to really give our guests the best experience? And, uh, well, Vermont does a lot of things really well, and one of the best things they're doing right now is uh, craft beverages, alcoholic beverages specifically, out of cans. We have over 60 different breweries in Vermont, and most of them are putting their beer in cans. It's, uh, it's economically, environmentally sound, and uh, it's an easy way to drink a beer and experience uh, what Vermont's going on. So. Uh, just a little snapshot, this past weekend we had 37 different styles of beer from from 25 different breweries across only Vermont. And that in includes breweries, cideries, meaderies. Yeah, it's it's going great so far. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. Thanks, look, for, uh, look for Upper Pass. We'll be getting some Upper Pass limited releases very soon. I just talked with their head brewer today. So uh, we got a lot of stuff. There's, there's better beer out there than just the Alchemists and everyone else. <laughs> there's tons of beer in Vermont. Absolutely. Cheers. Thanks, buddy. Ten years ago, he was the head of lift ops, and I was the head of marketing. Ten years later, he's on the pod. Hey, what's up, AK? This is Jordan Elliott. Long time, man. We haven't really kept in touch. For your listeners, I used to work with Alex when he was out in Oregon. This is my 18th season in the ski biz, much of that time managing resort operations, and now in my sixth year as the HR director for a large resort. I'm hearing your call to arms for HR folks to chime in, so here I am. Sorry, though, I don't have a job posting for you. Although, I did just hire a unicorn of a grooming manager. I think a job posting would be out of date not long after it hits the airwaves anyway. Because that's what happens, doesn't it? Change. 
If I have two constants to share with you from my almost two decades of helping everyone play in the snow, the first one is the cliché of change being a constant. But the second constant thing for me is my favorite playlist. When MP3s moved into our pockets, and I was definitely an early adopter, in the early mid-2000s, I made a playlist that I've been listening to ever since. Now, it's not one for the ears of your widespread fishy listeners. It's entirely made up of a band called Thrice, like once, twice, thrice. They formed in the late 90s and are now being referred to by some bored music critics as a post-hardcore punk band. These 13 songs are from their earlier stuff. It's about a 43-minute playlist, and back then I named it Shred Your Face Right Off. It consists of their most hard-hitting, fastest, screamiest, just greatest stuff. I still listen to this old playlist when I really want to turn up the aggression on the steeps or in the trees. It's an old friend at this point, and it's packed full of memories. My favorite song on it is called To Awake and Avenge the Dead. And if I'm hanging my tips over a cornice or pushing myself to keep speed in the trees, that is my jam. So probably not the HR bite you were expecting. Keep the playlist alive, people. Be your own DJ. You're better at it than Spotify anyway. Seated. I had to use a video game version of the song because the real version melted my face off, just like Jordan said. And I guess we've got a theme for episode 52, folks I used to work with. Josh, I worked with 15 years ago at Killington. I'm going to get his origin story and the music he associates with it. This is Josh from Bolton Valley, inspired this morning by Mike's segment on episode 51 regarding memories in Hogback and also January Learn to Ski and Ride Month. Just thought I'd share a quick memory of my first time ever on skis. I uh, grew up in Rhode Island and never had a chance to ski, was uh, inspired by kids in my class who skied more often. Uh, you know, the types of kids that would wear Mad River Glen, skied if you can, t-shirts around, and always wondered, geez, wonder what that's all about. That seems like fun. So signed up for the middle school ski trip. Uh, woke up at 4 in the morning to the alarm going off. Uh, salt and Pepper's Push It just happened to be on the radio right when the alarm went off. So uh, to this day, every time I hear that song, I definitely relate to skiing. Rolled down to the middle school where the smell of diesel fumes hung heavy in the air from the bus. Uh, Same memory correlation with diesel fumes to skiing. I know not exactly environmentally friendly, but an ode to the group bus trip. We went up to Berkshire East. Me and my friend Alex hit the slopes before our lesson. I remember going up the bunny hill and just coming straight down trying to stop. Then we got into our lesson. We had a good time learning a little bit about things. And then, of course, we said, well, we'll just go over to the next hill next next, uh, to the bunny slope. We hit that up. We spent most of the day falling down the hill, picking ourselves back up while those more experienced classmates with the Mad River Glen t-shirts zipped on by. But end of the day, we got on the bus. I remember pulling out of the resort, looking over a snow-covered creek and talking to Alex and saying, you know what? We're going to do this for the rest of our lives. Well, flash forward about 30 years. Alex lives in Virginia. I live in Vermont. Uh, I've been working in the ski industry for about 18 years. 
Alex and I still do try to get together at least a couple times every couple years and do some skiing. He'll make the trek up from Virginia. Um, so, yeah, get out there, learn to ski, inspire your friends to learn to ski, teach your kids to ski. You could totally change your life and uh, keep you active and in the mountains forever. Tim Kelly, talk to me, buddy. What's up in February? The big news starting off February is pretty much wall-to-wall cold in Canada. The polar vortex has wobbled back to our side of the North Pole. The problem with trying to make the forecast, though, is we have no blocking in the atmosphere. We don't have that North Atlantic block. So everything's very progressive. You can go from extreme cold to rain in the next 24 hours. Talk about wintry mix. I think the winners are going to be the mountains of northern Idaho, eastern British Columbia, Montana, and then the Central Plains, Blizzard City in the Central Plains, Super Bowl area, so cold, you've seen all that in the news. And then in the northeast, there's going to be a fine line between a lot of water in New York and Boston, yeah, I'm from Boston, and a lot of snow in Ontario and Quebec. But I do think that northern New York, northern Vermont, northern New Hampshire, and northwestern Maine are going to get feet of snow this first half of the month. The drought goes on, though, from just south of Park City through most of Nevada and California. Not good news. Still a long way to go. The groundhog is right. Six more weeks of winter. And with the polar vortex around, you can't really trust your 10-day forecast. Just go play-by-play and uh, aim for a strategical strike where you know there's a snowstorm aimed. This month, the rant has an appetizer. I have a rant. It's about my home mountain in Pennsylvania, Blue. Not so much about the mountain itself, more the clientele. More specifically, all the douchebags that feel the urge to drink a beer on the chairlift and then just chuck the empty container. Just drop it from the chair. Come on, guys, there's a freaking dumpster under every chairlift. Have a little decency. Have a little class. I've seen cleaner streets in North Philadelphia. I understand, you know, Jerry drops a pole... A gapper drops a glove, you know, but all the empty beer cans and beer bottles, it's, it's disgusting. And it's rant time. People who complain about wind hold. I have no patience for you people. Wind hold is not a conspiracy. You're just an asshole. In order to operate lifts, you have to be able to safely operate and evacuate them. If a mountain doesn't feel it can safely operate and evacuate a lift, do you want them to put you on it? Do you really need to be standing on top of that lift in negative 20 Fahrenheit and 30 mile per hour winds? Do you really think staff should be up there? Or are you just making empty threats on Facebook from your hotel room? Do you think the mountain operations teams enjoy wind hold? Hint, they don't. If your mountain is calling midweek hold wind hold, then yeah, that's bunk. They should just say, this lift ain't making us enough money today, but that shit's rare. If stuff's on wind hold or cold hold or everything is covered in ice hold, don't be the douchebag on your high horse. You look like an idiot. Go do something productive. And final thought on this. When you ask, when will the wind hold be over? You're asking them to play God and then you get mad when they can't. Get a hobby other than being a prick. 
End of rant. Toss Wintry Mix a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts if you want me to owe you a beer. Suggest future rant topics and get submission ideas on the Facebook page. Get reminded about submission deadlines on the Twitter, or maybe you only use Instagram, so follow over there. Also, there's a somewhat useful website. It has my weird bio and some audio submission tips, wintrymixcast.com. And remember, 10% off with promo code MIX at alpineshopvt.com through May 1st, 2018, so do it to it. Thanks for listening. March episode submission deadline is Friday, March 9th. Send to alex at wintrymixcast.com. Stick around for the outtakes. Goodbye. I'm Alex Kaufman. This is Wintry Mix number 52, February. And that's my phone. What do you want? I don't know. This is Alex. On a side note, Alex, I'm thinking about sending my kid up there with a trash bag to pick up all the aluminum cans, and we can uh, maybe use that money to buy his new Lucky Trigger slalom poles that he wants. <laughs> And then we drove down the other side to the town of Chamonix at the base of 15,700-foot-high Mont Blanc, home of the world's most spectacular ski lifts. The Aguidi Midi rises 10,000 feet in 20 minutes. That first turn looks like it'll be a tough one. At the top, you walk across a bridge and through a tunnel. And you know that this is serious skiing when you find out that your guide's rucksack is full of first aid supplies instead of lunch. There are a couple of ways to get down the first part. I went down the coward's way with all the other wimps. The other way down is the way Paul de Felice skied down. And when you watch Paul on the Grand Couloir, you know that being a wimp is really okay 